from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNY News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with CUNA and Credit Union Magazine. Rodney Hood is Chairman of the National Credit Union Administration. President Donald J. Trump nominated Hood for the NCUA Board on January 19, 2019. He was confirmed and took the oath of office on April 8th and was designated as the 11th NCUA Chairman. Mr. Hood was previously nominated to the NCUA Board by former President George W. Bush and served from November 2005 until August 2009. I interviewed Chairman Hood after he spoke at the African American Credit Union Coalition's annual conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. During this wide-ranging interview, Chairman Hood discusses topics such as financial inclusion, small credit unions, easing the regulatory burden on credit unions, innovation, and fintechs. Chairman Hood, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. During your remarks today, you talked about the need to improve access to safe and affordable financial products so more Americans can be brought into the financial mainstream. Can you tell us what you meant by that? Yes, I can. I have to say, I consider financial inclusion to be the civil rights issue of our generation. For far too long now, too many people have been overlooked and, I would say, locked out of the financial system. And we know that the lack of access to affordable banking and lending services, it holds a lot of working families back from climbing the financial ladder and having access to share prosperity. I'm looking to look for opportunities to remove the obstacles that many of these Americans face. I believe that credit unions, because of their history, are uniquely positioned to lead the financial services industry in this regard. One such area is our second chance proposal to remove barriers Barriers of those with minor nonviolent criminal records so they can work with credit unions. That's an important first step in bringing more of our citizens into the financial system and mainstream economy. I have actually challenged our NCRA agency's leadership to find new ways of improving access through our regulatory initiatives, our grants and loan programs, and our support for small, low-income designated and minority credit unions. While NCUA, I can say, can do its part, the credit union system must work together and collectively to address this issue as well. This is going to require new ways of thinking, partnerships with groups like Operation Hope and others, and investments in technology to meet the needs of the underserved and overlooked. But if we are successful, we can make a real difference in people's lives. Another thing you talked about And this has a lot to do with financial inclusion. You talked about the important role that small credit unions and minority credit unions play. What is NCUA doing to help small credit unions and minority credit unions that serve many of the underserved communities that are really struggling to survive? Well, first, the NCUA has taken several steps to lessen the regulatory and examination burdens on small credit unions and minority depository institutions, or MDIs. The NCRA agency is acutely aware of both the importance of these institutions to their members and communities, and we want to do everything we can to give them the tools and resources so they can meet those needs. If credit unions aren't meeting the needs of folks who are vulnerable, there are payday lenders who are waiting in the wings with their pernicious products to take advantage of folks who are overlooked. 
where the rules that affect these credit units are within the agency's control and where exceptions are tailoring would not significantly affect safety and soundness, the NCUA is working diligently to ease regulatory burdens. One of the things I'd like to emphasize is that small credit unions benefit, for example, from regulatory relief under our interest rate risk rule, the liquidity and contingency funding rule, and the risk-based net worth rule. The agency also created the Small Credit Union Examination Program that's focused on the most pertinent areas of risk, including lending, record-keeping, and internal audit functions. This helps to reduce the examination burden on these institutions so they can focus on meeting the needs of their member owners and their local communities. Another tool at our disposal is the low-income designation for qualified credit unions, which has been one of the industry's greatest success stories over the last three decades. And this is one area that just simply does not get enough attention, in my opinion. In fact, as you heard, I mentioned this morning the numbers. In 1990, there were only 184 low-income designated credit unions in the United States. But their growth to date has been remarkable. We now have more than 2,500 low-income designated credit unions across the United States. That's nearly half of all federally insured credit unions. This designation qualifies them for several things. It qualifies them for an exception to the statutory cap on member business lending, which further expands access to capital for small businesses to grow viable, sustainable businesses. And it also helps credit unions diversify their portfolios. Also, low-income designated credit unions have eligibility for our community development revolving loan fund grants and low interest rate loans. They also have an ability to accept non-member deposits from any source and they have the authority to obtain supplemental capital. This provides low-income designated credit unions with a number of avenues to grow and serve their members and communities. I encourage all low-income designated credit unions to consider all of the options the designation provides them, and I encourage them to make the most of these opportunities. Not only will these options create new growth opportunities, they can also help working families and communities all across the country improve their financial well-being. I also want to take time to encourage credit unions to examine the potential benefits of the designation. Our team at the Office of Credit Union Resources and Expansion, also known as CURE, will work with credit unions to see if their credit unions can qualify. During your remarks, you talked about how the NCUA is modernizing its regulatory structure to reduce the burden on credit unions. And I know that's something that many credit unions are frustrated by, the number of regulations coming from the NCUA and others like the CFPB over the last several years. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, that's a really timely question. But first, let me say the goal is not simply to get rid of regulations for the sake of getting rid of regulations. As a regulator and as the chairman of NCUA, I understand how important rules are to create confidence, fairness, and accountability. Regulation is vitally important to ensure the safety and soundness of the credit union system. My regulatory philosophy has been consistent for many years now, and that is regulation needs to be effective but not excessive. The goal is to create a regulatory system that is effective but not excessive so credit unions can go about their vital work of lending and providing their members with the highest level of service and quality and providing access to affordable financial products. 
That means being realistic about the regulatory and compliance burdens and being attentive to ways in which we can relieve those burdens when and where it makes sense. Credit unions should not be held back by outdated regulations that no longer reflect today's dynamic financial services industry. For example, in just the last few months of my chairmanship, we as an agency have taken steps to increase the threshold on appraisal requirements for commercial property from $250,000 to $1 million. This is an overdue reform, and we hope this change will reduce transaction costs and spur more member business lending, especially in hard-pressed rural areas. We've also, as a board, proposed delaying the risk-based capital rule for two years so that the industry can now have a rule that would be implemented properly and that would take a holistic approach to the issue of capital in the credit union system. In each of these cases, I must say, we are trying to take prudent steps to balance the needs of the industry, the needs of the credit union members, and the realities of today's financial system as a whole. There are other examples of the agency taking a closer look at the burdens credit unions face. Field of membership and member business lending are just two examples. All of these efforts strike the important balance of safety and soundness and the need to create an environment that allows for innovation and flexibility. But it's also the examination burden that credit unions are struggling with. There's a lot of time that goes into preparing for an exam and dealing with examiners when they're on site. What's the agency doing to change that? Well, I can tell you the NCAA has gone through great lengths to improve the format and structure of the examination process through extensive examiner training and a more robust appeals process that allows credit unions to have a dialogue with the agency without the fear of retaliation. NCAA has also undertaken a number of initiatives to increase the efficiency in our examination, data collection, and reporting efforts. Right now, we are modernizing our examination system, replacing our outdated examination system called ARIES with the more modern one. We're also looking at ways we can conduct more supervision off-site by improving our process, collaborating with state supervisors, and leveraging technology and better data. And we're modernizing our call reports, improving our quality assurance program to ensure the consistency of our examination program. We're also improving our quality assurance program to ensure the consistency of our examination and supervisory program across all of our regions. And we're also developing new data and analytical techniques as part of our risk monitoring program. When fully implemented, these improvements will strengthen our ability to identify, assess, and respond to safety and soundness issues earlier and at less cost to the share insurance fund. We're confident these investments can reduce the examination burden on credit unions and will strengthen our ability to identify, assess, and respond to safety and soundness issues earlier, and again, at a less cost to the share insurance fund. Let's talk a little bit about innovation. As you know, the emergence of fintechs, and you referred to this in your speech too, and new players in the financial services sector have created new competition and some real challenges for credit unions especially smaller ones that don't have the resources to compete. How should credit unions respond to this new technology? Well, the financial technology sector is indeed creating new ways of doing business and new member-owner expectations. It's growing and sending a clear message to the entire financial industry that, as I mentioned this morning, that a business-as-usual approach may not be a viable business model any longer. 
It's because of that that we plan and prepare for those changes and challenges. Because they're here, there's a lot more on the way. These are things like mobile banking, digital payments, artificial intelligence, data aggregation, peer-to-peer lending platforms, micro and small business lending, and even more to come. We know these trends are going to change the way credit unions engage with their member owners, the way they analyze lending risk, and the way they market and deliver products and services. Credit unions, indeed, are not alone in facing uh, these challenges. We as regulators are as well. Technology moves faster than the pace of regulation, so we all need to be prepared for challenges and opportunities this technology offers. But FinTech also presents an enormous opportunity for credit unions to serve their members and communities more effectively. It also creates an outstanding opportunity for credit unions to improve customer service and to offer new types of financial products. But there's also real risks. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, indeed. With FinTech does come an accelerated level of risk, primarily along the lines of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is perhaps one of my biggest concerns, and it keeps me up at night. It's been one of NCUA's supervisory priorities for several years now. In fact, I care about this issue so deeply and passionately. I recently appointed a cybersecurity advisor who reports directly to me, and cybersecurity will remain a top priority for the agency during my chairmanship. The news of the massive data breach at Capital One just a few days ago is a sobering reminder that even the largest and strongest financial institutions have points of vulnerability. As chairman, I intend to make certain that NCUA employs all available resources to ensure data protection for consumers, members of the credit unions, and that we work diligently to combat cybersecurity threats. But all of us have a shared responsibility to strengthen the credit union system's cyber defenses and resiliency. That means credit unions have to ensure their systems are protected and that they have systems and processes in place to protect their members' data and to recover quickly from any potential cyber attacks. Before we go, I wanted to just get your thoughts on the general state of credit unions and where they're headed, uh, especially just because this is the start of your tenure. How do you think credit unions are doing right now? I think that the day for the credit unions has been strong and vibrant. In fact, just a few months ago in June, we celebrated the 85th anniversary of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's signing of the National Credit Union Act. And now, in just 85 years, the industry has grown rapidly and now serves 117 million members. That's nearly a third of all American households. In today's credit union system, it holds assets of more than $1.5 trillion. The system's net worth ratio stands today at 11.14% in the first quarter of this year. Lending in all categories is expanding and membership is growing. That's an outstanding success story. As chairman, my goal is to keep the system safe and sound, as well as innovative and dynamic. The priorities I've outlined during my remarks today, effective regulation, a forward-looking approach to innovation, and financial inclusion to better serve a changing population and economy are all indeed a great place to start. But more importantly, the key to this industry's future success lies with staying true to the values the credit union system was founded upon, the commitment to people helping people. 
by fostering greater financial inclusion, accessibility, and opportunity for shared prosperity for all Americans. That's a worthy mission, and I hope credit unions continue to fulfill it. Chairman Hood, on behalf of CUNA and America's Credit Unions, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for having me. I look forward to working with you all in many years to come. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.